0: Welcome to Concerning the Spiritual and Art, a podcast exploring spirituality, consciousness, and the creative process. I'm your host, Martin Benson. All right, y'all, welcome to the very first episode of Concerning the Spiritual and Art. Um, to kick this whole project off, I have my uh, dear friend and fellow visual artist, Skylar Smith, um, with me to start with the first episode. Um, Skylar is a visual artist based in Louisville, Kentucky, and her and I met for the first time when we actually showed together in a group show and we just really hit it off. Um, we have a lot of similar ideas and thoughts that go into the work that we do, and we could just talk forever and so I thought it was really fitting um, to highlight her and her work for the very first episode of this um, podcast. Um, we talked so much about not only her uh, history as an artist and sort of the work that she had done, some projects she was doing before the pandemic, but how the pandemic really catalyzed her back into a studio practice um, that led her to the work that she's doing now. Um, we talk a lot about spirituality, sacred geometry, meditation. Um, The podcast really goes to a lot of places, and it's super inspiring um, for me to speak with her. And I hope you all really enjoy learning not only about her and the work she does, um, but some of these bigger ideas that go into it. Um, So without further ado, here's Skylar Smith. Skylar Smith, welcome to the podcast. First episode. We're launching this thing right now. We're just letting it take off. I'm so happy you could be here with me. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. I'm doing great. good?
0: Thanks
1: for Do- having me. Yes. yes. For
0: sure. And just for some context for, for people out there, Skylar and I did a group show with a couple other artists back in Louisville, Kentucky at uh, Quapi Projects. It was uh, in April and May, and we just really hit it off. Um, And I just, I've always just loved your work, seeing it from afar on Instagram. And then we got to do a show together, connect in person. And now here we are getting to dive a little deeper into your work. Um, And I'm really fascinated by the way that you work. I love how you kind of bridge opposites together, like thinking about like duality, but like merging these things in a lot of ways. And in your artist statement, you talk about kind of merging micro and macro perceptions of consciousness within your work. Could you unpack that for me? Like talk (laughs) a little bit about that? Because I kind of, I get what you mean, especially knowing your work, but I think it's a really fascinating thing to kind of peel the layers back on.
1: Definitely. Definitely. So like the micro macro idea I've been working with for like probably decades, really. I mean, um, and that just. Kind of started really with a um, just a love of nature and um, kind of nature on a very, very small scale, like things we can't see with our eyes, microscopic life, um, and just the beauty of that. I used to um, uh, take microscopic images of like plant cells, uh, bacteria, and project them onto campuses and kind of um, start my paintings kind of based on that kind of imagery um and the more i worked with that imagery you know it's just really you could i could see so many other things within that microscopic view um like microscopic views look like aerial views right like when you're Mm -hmm. high above you know uh, but you can see you know you're in a plane you can see um earth but it's like it it what you see looks like what we might see under a microscope in some ways. It's just like these different growth patterns that manifest on a very small scale. Um, and then beyond that, like, um, thinking about also things, you know, we need, um, um, telescopes to see or other types of lenses to see things, you know, beyond our planet. Mm -hmm. Um, so just that kind of interest in, um, the natural world, whether it's like here on earth or, or beyond. Um but but that there's so much we can't see with our eyes, you know, um but then that relates to also this kind of more like a metaphor for like a spiritual kind of um way of thinking about things. Like, yeah. you know, we can't see um um love or what you know these, these yeah that we have, or these connections that we have, but we know that they're real and that they're there. So, um, and you know, the, this micro macro idea, of course, is like an ancient idea. And a lot of philosophers have, you know, looked into this and alchemists. And so there's a tradition with, with that. Um, but this was just something that I kind of came to on my own, like, you know, probably when I was in my early twenties, um, and just, just this kind of like wonder like at um these natural forms on both you know scales that we can't we can't see um so that's where that comes from and then I would say my work um has followed that that interest for a long time um but uh you know, it kind of took a turn <laughs> um, after-
0: <laughs> Like after, it always does.
1: Like it always does.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I've been interested in political art and feminist art um, for a long time as well, but um, I've I've been an abstract artist yeah. for, for most of my art-making experience. Um, and then in, uh, when was it? 2016, 2017, you know, when Trump was elected, I just- I don't know, something in me, I was like, I have to make figurative art and I have to make art that's like, that people can look at it and know right away what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make art that was just, um, I mean, I think my art is accessible, but I wanted it to to just like right away kind of reach someone by using the human form. Yeah um and i had a show um that was just kind of um looking at that election um and just what it meant for a lot of people um you know not just women but but a lot of people uh, marginalized communities and um and i wanted to make i had a show with a friend who i collaborate with um i've had several shows with her her name's lisa simon and, um and we got together We're like we gotta make a show we gotta you know we gotta like really like speak to this moment so yeah. so that's where I in my artist statement I talk about the micro and the macro and then I talk about the I think I said something like the human the human scale perception or I don't know, I don't know yeah. exactly, but it but I was trying to bring this whole political element um into my work which is um, is, is so inspired by nature and like my own like spiritual, you know, relationship with, um, the universe, you know, however you <laughs> want to put it.
0: Um, right, whatever you want to call it, it right. It,
1: however you want to say it, yeah. but, but which, which, you know, is connected to studying yoga for a long time and teaching yoga. Um, and we can talk more about that, but, um, But then I just had this like, very like human scale, like political, you know, um, piece that I wanted to bring into my art. And it, Mm and it it, it seemed like it didn't initially kind of like sync up with what I'd been doing. Um, but it, it was like, I don't care. This is important to me. I've got to, you know, go with like, I've got to follow my heart. And, and then from that show, it led me to, um, curate a show called ballot box um which was like such an amazing experience it was the I've curated shows in the past but I've always like put myself in the show and yeah for this show I was like you know it I already said what I needed to say with with that show I was just talking about um which was called the personal is still political mm-hmm. I want to like create a platform for other artists to talk about um their feelings it was specifically about voting yeah um, so that was great. And I I, you know, that's just another part of my practice is to um to curate, you know, to kind of it's very creative. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like what you're doing with podcasts. You're curating right.
0: The podcasts. Exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Bringing people together who have like a similar vision or like coming from maybe a similar place, even if it's like a small thread of connection, like when you start to see those connections between other people who are working in similar mediums or materials or in certain genres, like it's always good to try to bring them together, especially if you're the kind of person who has the ability to do that. Because I think community and collaboration, even if it's like We're doing our own thing, but we're collaborating by sharing space with each other or sharing dialogue like this, like that is so crucial for growing the collective consciousness. And I think about like your work, you know, in relation, you mentioned like alchemy, you know, with the micro macro, you know, as above, so below, you know, it's like what we see in the big picture we see in the small picture. You know, and I think that definitely relates to what you're talking about with, you know, taking these tangents and stepping outside of your comfort zone during that really heightened political environment to feel like you needed to make some work that was resonant with the times. And so you were able to still explore the micro macro, but in a different sort of genre, a different way. And I think that's always great for artists when they feel that impetus to step outside of the comfort zone that they're used to. It's always a good thing, regardless of what the outcome is. So I think that's amazing that you felt that energy and you went with it. And what I think is cool is like, you, you went through and did those shows and then you come back and to revisit the work you were doing before that. Can you talk about maybe that experience, like coming back into abstraction and like what that was like for you?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, so ballot box, the show I was just talking about that just had to do with uh, voting rights. And it was like, it was the centennial, the 19th amendment in 2020. Um, and it was the presidential election and it was like the anniversary of the Voting Rights Act from 1965. And there's a lot of like, just this like, why is voting important? And how many people throughout history have been like kept from voting? And that continues to happen, right? That was like the theme of the show. And um, so I worked, you know, I got a grant to do it and it was just, it was awesome. You know, we got some great artists. Um, and then the opening for the show, was i will not forget my husband's birthday it was march 12th 2020 oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> and oh lord like the day before i mean it was crazy because i we had a press me uh we had like a meeting with the mayor because it was good. the show was uh set up in uh, metro hall which is like where the mayor has his office in downtown mm-hmm. so i had it in like a you know, um, a state building. I mean, that yeah, was like a public space. space, public space. Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a traditional art space. And we had like all press cro- conference about the show, like on Wednesday. And then like the next day it was, it was like, I kept hearing like this, all this stuff about like COVID or we, whatever the coronavirus, whatever we were even calling it back then. Um, and I just remember talking to like the public art director, just being like, do we need to cancel this show? Like,
0: you mm-hmm.
1: know? I was like, this is like, this is serious. And she's like, yeah, stay tuned, you know, but it was just like, it happened so quickly. And like the city of Louisville shut down just like within like the next day. So we had to, we postponed the show. You're we like, oh yeah, we'll have this show in like a couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah, like, when this whole thing like just kind of died. I know I hate
0: to laugh like about it because it's just like what a crazy, traumatizing situation for everybody. But like, there's got to be a sense of humor of like, wow, the absurdity of thinking that in that moment that you could start I, all three weeks, you know. And that's oh, what Lord. they said
1: about schools too.
0: I know. Yeah. Like
1: schools were still in session, and like, mm-hmm. so the show was going to be on that Friday night. And I think they were like on Friday, they were like, oh. You know, public schools are going to be temporarily closed for three weeks until we get a handle on this, you know, two years later. Right. But anyways, okay, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But but then,
0: but that forced you to go back into the dream cave, right? Like back into, back into hibernation mode in terms of like in your studio, like, and go within again, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. I had been running all over the city, you know, when you're curating a show, like you're just, you know, you're just like out and about and Mm -hmm. pulling things together. And I was trying to, I had a lot of community partners, um, because I agree, like for me, I, I need my like alone time to work and to be like introspective, but a part of me really likes to collaborate and needs community. I need like that. I need that it's like the dualism, you know, like, <laughs> like I, I need both. Yeah. Um, so
0: I relate to that a lot. You know, I feel like I'm an ambivert, you know, I have extroversion and introversion and I, and yes. that's why I'm a painter, you know, like I have to go inside and need that silent time. So yeah. I can relate to that for sure.
1: Kind of regroup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And get grounded. And anyway, I mean, and so we, we all were kind of forced into that um, place of, you know, everyone went into lockdown and I mean, some people were, could still work and, you know, and, and I had been like a full-time teacher, um, before I curated this show and kind of got into that whole thing. Um, I helped kind of start this art school and, you know, basically it was like a, a new business and education and all of this and was doing that for like over 10 years. Wow. Um, yeah. And that was, you know, just a wild ride on its own. But anyways, I left that organization um, in 2019. So it, did, it was kind of, I was like newly, like not teaching full-time and I was curating the show and I had a couple other things going, but I, it it was kind of an interesting point in my life just to begin with. Um, COVID comes, everything shuts down. I'm home 24 seven with my two kids. Um, one of who could, couldn't read yet. So she was trying to do online school, but like she couldn't read. So that oh, was
0: man. Like, she
1: needed like help. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, so it was, you know, for me, um, it was really challenging just because I, I was just so full time with them kind of trying to uh, make sure they were like doing their online school. And we were just like, together all the time. And my, <laughs> my husband who works in construction, um, he kept working through yeah. COVID and I mean, really lucky that he could keep working. Um, but he would be gone all day. Wow. Um, so it was, it was tough. I, I just, um, really like, so to have my time, my introspective time, you know, like I had to really carve it out and I had a studio in our basement, in our house. Um, and I was just like, I just got to go down there and like work for like whenever I can for yeah. maybe, maybe it's just an hour, maybe it's 30 minutes. Maybe I could work for, you know, I could break that up into like chunks of time. So I just started, um, making these like small paintings on paper. Cause I had all this like, um, handmade paper that I worked with this, um, this paper making company in um indiana we we made this paper um and i so i had the paper i had like t- you know i had my paint and whatever and i was just like i just got to like just just make some art or i'm going to Yeah. Some um yeah so i you know it that's where i but this silver lining in all of it was that i really uh, because that show i was curating which is kind of on pause Um, I mean, I really like had to just sit still and make art, you know, Mm. I just hadn't been doing because I, you know, I just kind of a a lot of like, just even before that, when I was teaching full time, it was sort of like, art would be like the last thing I would let myself do. You know, I, you know, I was like, well, I got to work, I've got kids, you know, Um, I wasn't prioritizing it Mm. as much. Um, and I would line up a, a show so I it's like I would have a deadline to make art because I would have a show <laughs> and I feel like I gotta make something because otherwise there's nothing gonna be you know in this show yeah. so that would I would always you have that going but I felt like oh gosh I'm just making art for this show and, and because I'm a you know I used to teach college and you know I, I had to like show my art because that was a part of my like scholarship to be you know to be a teacher and whatever so it just felt like I wasn't I wasn't putting it like as a priority in my life Mm -hmm. um and then when when we in the lockdown I, I just realized I was like geez you know this making art is keeping me sane and it's keeping me just like I don't know um yeah, giving me some grounding um, and the imagery that I i was just like, I just need to make. I was thinking a lot about mandalas and I was thinking about, um, you know, other visual art forms that were used in meditation and as a way to kind of, um, you know, to, to create a focal point for the mind. hmm so definitely working a lot with geometry and with color um and looking at other artists um like hilma off clint
0: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of people like oh your works I mean, i've heard that a lot and i used to anyways i used to be like yeah i like her but my art's you know it's my own but now <laughs> I, I, i'll take i'll take it she's yeah right the an artist and Beyond that, like artists like her who had this like intense spiritual, you know, connection, not only personally, but they brought it into their art. Um, I, you know, was like looking at Hilma off Clint and, you know, and I discovered more um artists that, you know, Kandinsky, of course, you know, there's like there's artists that I kind of knew, but I just discovered all these artists I didn't know about. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, you know, I was kind of just in this headspace, like I want to learn more about artists that are that were you know, contemporary artists, but also artists from you know modern art,
0: yeah, um, and from our past, you know, um past. see and seeing some of those threads that come through. I mean, when we think of someone like uh Hilma Flint, you know, like, everyone knows about her now which is amazing because of that big Guggenheim show and i and i hear that a lot as well and i think what's so amazing i'm i'm super glad that she is like at the forefront of people's awareness now because i think the work she was doing was revolutionary for that time but what she was tapping into was very ancient and archaic and sort of ancestral and deep you know, like it was, she was tapping into an energy that cultures have been tapping into across the globe, just not in Western art in the way that we've seen it, you know, except for maybe like the alchemists. You see them talking a lot about sacred geometry and these sacred forms or symbols and metaphors that relate to like consciousness and awakening consciousness but right. she was doing it in such a playful way with the abstraction but you know people who are aware of these histories can look at her work and see exactly what she's referencing and right. i think you know right. nowadays we we have the luxury of having access to the all this sort of incredible library of artists some who are previously unknown and now they're known because of the internet. And so that definitely has influence. But I think what you're doing is still tapping into something primordial about geometry and form. And I love the way that you play with Sort of the rigid geometry in the structure of your work, but you also have a lot of fluid, organic qualities in them the way that you dye the paper and drip ink, and sort of the way you let gravity and the materials kind of do their thing. So it's kind of like this dichotomy of control and lack of control, and trying to find a balance between the two, which I think ultimately circles back to this relationship of duality of micro macro inward outward, you know, all of these sort of components. And I think you honing in on this notion of making a meditative piece, something that focuses the mind is, is a powerful structure to like begin even those processes that you are playing with. And when I see your work and I'll be showing lots of the work, I will flat, maybe flash an image right here. Maybe put one right, right there. Boom. We can put one up. i think about the ones that you did for the show we were in with uh playing with the elements right the air earth water i don't know if fire was in that one because you know john uh, brooks who was our curator another amazing artist who curated that space and then you had ether but like within those pieces there's such incredible energetic components the way you play with color and pattern and form can you maybe speak to like this idea of the elements and what drove maybe those particular pieces cuz i w- i wish i had more time to spend with them you know um not being able to see them longer than the night that i was at the show
1: um, right yeah. right well i mean another like part of my work and and what definitely came through um in 2020 and 2021 when i was working it is just like the healing part of art making mm-hmm. and you know for me like as a kid I've, I, I've just been making art ever since I was little and looking back on it now I mean I, I probably would have been diagnosed with like ADHD but like I grew up in like the late 70s and 80s and they you know like it, it's not as you know diagnosed as it is now mm-hmm. but one thing that um, calmed me down was drawing and so my mom was like constantly just like putting a pencil in my hand, like all the time, all the time, all the time. Wow. So I like, I got better at it. Yeah. Naturally. It. it was like just one thing that would like focus me. Yeah. And when I was working, um, in, the, in lockdown, I really felt this, how therapeutic it was to make art. Like I was, because it, it does focus me. Hmm and i was just like wow that's really what I, what it was doing when i was a kid like it yeah. just created this like zone where you you know you l- lose awareness of yourself and yeah. that flow and the this in yeah. the way you can when you practice yoga
0: exactly i think in your artist statement you, i love this phrase that you said i wrote it down it's um nanoseconds of nirvana yes, you know yes. and that's such a great way to describe it it's like these little glimpses when you lose like this sense of like being the doer and just letting the doing that the act happen through you you know what i mean where like the identification with what's happening subsides and there's just what's happening And it's such a beautiful thing. And you being, I know, a meditator and a yoga practitioner, you're cultivating that quality, you know, through those practices. But it's so obvious when you feel the energy of your work that that those nanoseconds of nirvana are happening while you're working. And I think that in my weird mind, I feel like on some quantum level that imprints that energy in the work and that people, when they see it on some level of their consciousness can feel That calmness, that clarity, that focusing of the mind—like what you're talking about—would you agree with that? Like,
1: I mean, that's great. I, I, I hope. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I hope people get that. Like, because I, I have this healing. I mean, I'm getting back to it now, where it's like I'm making art. Like, I'm making art, whether I have a show lined up or I don't. Like, it's just like I feel like I have a different relationship with my work. Um, now that I'm not teaching full-time and my kids are a little bigger, (laughs) I just have like more space for it. So um, like I have this, you know, it's healing for me to make art. So I hope if other people get that, then that's great. Yeah. But just like, I think that's what got me into yoga. Um, I, I won't, I'll never forget the first yoga class I took. I was in college um, by visiting. And my mom was into yoga and she was like, Oh, you got to come to this yoga class with me. Um, so we went and it was just like a Hatha yoga. Like it was not a, a strenuous class. Mm-hmm. Um, Iyengar, you know? So it was just like very like, yeah. um, and I just remember at the end when we were lying in Shavasana, I was like, this is the most calm I've ever felt in my life. Wow, if My body was just like, thank you. You know, yeah. I was like, what, this is like magic. What is like, all we did was stretch, like, how <laughs> am I, like so relaxed, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: So that just put me on like the whole journey of, of just yeah. a practitioner and then doing the teacher training. And I don't teach any more, but I still practice. And, yeah, um, you know, so for me and, you know, just being able to study, you know, yoga philosophy, of course, asana is just one limb. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, and uh, you know, learning about chakras and it's that same idea of the micro macro that like have fire and air and water and ether within us. Mm -hmm. And in fact, like there's an idea that, that they, that these chakras are in different places of our body and they kind of have these, um, uh, Properties, you know, yeah. associated. of course, digestion that is the fire, you know, right. like you're digesting this food. And so I, you know, I'm, I definitely follow Ayurveda, you know, mm-hmm. um, when I I can easily just kind of get out of whack with my health and trying to do too much. Um, so that's been really helpful to like, you know, learn about my diet and how mm-hmm. I can like eat certain things that are going to yeah. be. Body and I can do certain yoga poses that are going to help with like, you know, just being out of balance. Yeah. Um. So I think like the work for Quapi, the, the work that you brought up, it was just like, you know, just kind of in a really obvious way, like looking at um, this idea of chakras or energy centers or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them. But just this awareness that like, we're not separate from nature and yeah separate from these elements and, you know, they're a part of us and we're, and, um, you know, and I've been working really small, you know, just because of the COVID thing and being home and blah, 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 like working at a small scale was what I needed to do in that moment because I only had, you know, 30 minutes here, an hour here to like work. So I had to, you know, scale it. And then when my kids started going to school again, I was like, okay, I want to make big I want to make big work. You know, I
0: just
1: want <laughs> anything big for a while. Yeah. Um, and, that and these pieces big,
0: are big, y'all. I mean, they're are what four feet by four feet on paper, right? Four, um, four
1: feet, yeah. yeah. It's also like, I want to try to make big art on paper because I've been yeah. working on paper and I love it. Excuse me. I love how, like you said, I can, um, I mean, I like to play with, um, fluidity but structure and like kind of like ride that line between mm-hmm. um, those two things and you know order and chaos and yeah and, you know and, and those are just you know think really important ideas within like tantra and within you know yoga this idea yeah. like Um, Yeah, the idea of just finding
0: that balancing point, you know, it's like this, a lot of times in certain spiritual circles or certain spiritual traditions, there's this aspect of like purity and denial, right, like denying certain things for the sake of like, I think of Tantra as like the ultimate, like balancing practice. And when a lot of people hear Tantra, they immediately think of like Tantric sex and all that, which is a part, a, a very small part of, of it. That's definitely in there in some small way, but has really nothing to do with the philosophy. It's really about, it's almost like this notion of like being in the world, but not of the world, like embracing the worldliness without attachment you know, and that involves a dynamic form of balance. Like, you know, when I think of, and that's why I love like how your work balances because it's not balancing in one particular way because you have that organic quality in there with the structure. And when I think of balance itself, it's a dynamic act. Like sometimes like when you think of the balance, it feels like a static thing. Like you're either balanced or you're not, but balance is a constant of imbalance out of balance, imbalance out of balance. It's like a constant flipping of the switch. You know, I think about like when you're standing, let's say in an asana, like you're in eagle pose or a tree, you know, your muscles, yeah, you're still and you're balancing on that leg, but all the little micro movements happening in your muscles, these little twitches and flicks and you know what I mean? Like all that stuff that's happening is so quick and dynamic. So like, even though it on the outside, the macro, it looks static and still on the inside, on the micro, it is firing and moving tons of energy tons of movement you know um and so i think that's such an important thing to remember with balance is like that it's dynamic and that the balancing point is constantly changing it's almost like a dance Mm -hmm. i think of shiva the dance of shiva you know it's like it's you know? um, And so I think that, and within your artwork, I think you're kind of doing that, you know? Um, And I think it's so beautiful to, again, feel that energy of that dynamic balance between the organic and sort of the architectural or the geometric, the structural components, you know, that are happening. And um, it's just, it's apparent. And then when we think about like the chakras, like what you're talking about, you know, these energy centers, like those are the places where the balancing points meet,
1: you mm-hmm. know,
0: at different mm-hmm. points in your body. Um, mm-hmm. there it's cool. I think it's cool how they're like aligned with certain parts of your in uh, your endocrine system. You yeah. Know? Right. Like uh Elma, like each chakra has like a subsequent has a physical part in the body that it's aligned with. And I find that to be like a fascinating thing to think about as well. That these aren't just like woo woo, like energetic right. things that we can't touch, but there is sort of like a physical home base that you can apply toward each chakra. At least when we're talking about this sort of basic system of the seven chakras, like you see in in uh, the yoga tradition. Um, right. But you know, you see the same kind of thing in um, in traditional Chinese medicine with acupuncture and qigong and tai chi um, in Taoism, you know, or in Tibetan Buddhism, the way that they illustrate these things. And they're all a little different, but they're saying the same thing essentially, um, Mm -hmm. which I find to be really a fascinating thing to like unravel, you know, especially as a Western person who doesn't, who never grew up with this stuff, finding myself diving deep into it has been so revelatory, you know, because it's, I feel like it teaches you about the the system of the body and the mind and the intertwining of these two in ways that we're never taught as kids. Like no one teaches you. There's no like operating manual for your body mind. You know, I... it's, it's crazy. We've spent, like you said, you used to kind of started yoga when you were in college, like maybe in your early twenties, like you spent two decades of your life, not really understanding much about your body. Right. And now you've begun the journey where you're really learning about the body mind. And it's like, man, I wish we could just learn this from little kids you know
1: and it's it has changed so much yeah of, this is taught in schools now Yeah, and so much more mainstream i mean it's really amazing you know my, yeah. my kids know about yoga like it's
0: amazing know. i know it's incre- so does my son you know like my son when we do we do meditation he sees me practice yoga and meditate all the time he likes to mimic and do it and as long as he was into it i'm going to teach him the little things that i know um but like it's amazing, and so I look at like this time we live in. that's like so volatile, and like we're kind of circling back to like the politics and the political environment we're in. I mean, we just had a big election yesterday. We're recording this on uh, November tenth, right now. So you know, there's big election the other day, and like that's definitely a big part of the paradigm we're in. But we're also in the midst of like a major mental health crisis coming out of a pandemic, like all these things. But at the same time, we're dealing with such a tumultuous environment. We have. This renaissance, I feel like happening in psychedelic therapy and spirituality, where meditation and mindfulness are coming into the mainstream consciousness, people are practicing that in ways they've never had before, in the, at least in a, the Western sort of world. And then also the psychedelic research for PTSD, depression, anxiety, addiction, like all these things are coming up simultaneously as we're dealing with the craziest shit show that we can remember, right? And so I feel like this renaissance is budding. And when I look at, and this is part of what drew me to start this podcast is like, I see a parallel in a lot of what the artists are doing. And if we ever look at history, the artists are always sort of like the front runners kind of reflecting what's coming. You know what I mean? Like it's generally, that's generally how we see things. The artists are usually the ones who are tapping in a little bit earlier before the mainstream starts to come in. And so I see all these artists working and thinking about you know, psychedelic experiences and spirituality and chakras and metaphysics and mystical stuff, you know, witchcraft and, you know, animism and alchemy and like, you know, and it's, and I was like, for me, it's like, we got to bring these people all together and like, talk about these things so that they become more normalized. And they also become more, um, I don't know, I guess like easier for people who wouldn't normally be resistant to the stuff to enter these spaces. Mm -hmm. And so I look at you as an artist, as someone who is, creating a space for someone to be curious and maybe enter into an area of inquiry that they might not have ever really considered before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I find it to be a really powerful time that we're in, even though there can be a lot of negativity thrown around, I see a lot of amazing things percolating in the background.
1: I mean, I think people are are just so hungry for it. I mean, hungry for healing and for some kind of spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's easy to be cynical, but um, I, yeah, I mean, that was definitely coming up a lot. You know, it's become up a lot the last two years for me, just like how important it is to, heal, you know, yeah. that we, we all have trauma. I mean, even like me as a I have privilege and I I understand that. Um, but we've all had, you know, trauma. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you familiar with the uh, Mate? Do you ever know who he is? He's like um a really amazing um therapist and writer or like kind of a real thought leader in psychiatry and psychology. And he talks a ton about trauma and that One point that he makes is that every single human, no matter who you are, even if you're the most privileged human to ever grace the earth, has experienced trauma by virtue of just being born. And you know, like human is
1: have trauma, yeah,
0: the ultimate trauma. And so I think uh, we're dealing with layers and layers of trauma, both individually and collectively. But you, you're speaking of healing. Like, would you agree that like you can't really heal unless you know that you're sick or you know that you're unwell and sometimes I feel like it's easy in this sort of especially like in the American mindset of like pick yourself up by your bootstraps and push through and you know what I mean This like hyper masculinity to like you know push through like to negate what's actually happening actually limits you from the ability to transcend it and to heal it you know And I think that's definitely something we're we're dealing with as well. well. And I feel the same thing in my own practice as an artist, is that it's a healing modality for me because it's allowing me to release and let go, but also to bring attention and awareness to the shadows of my own consciousness, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really an important part of the healing process. And probably the scariest part is going going inward when you go on a self sort of inquiry journey. You have to be able to be honest and real with yourself about the shadow sides of of your own consciousness. Um, Like Carl Jung would talk about like bringing the light into the shadow, um, not negating it. And I think even on some collective level, that's what we're dealing with. The shadow has revealed itself. Yeah. Of the collective unconscious through people, like you could look at Donald Trump as maybe like a reflection of the shadow of the collective unconscious. Maybe you could look at it that way, you know.
1: Maybe you could say, if you're not <laughs> saying how horrible he is, that he could be a teacher, right? You know, like and that's like I know I'm, I know that's wanna,
0: that's on a deep level, but it's like, you know.
1: But yes, like if he if he's the manifestation of all of this we all have that. We all have that shadow side, like you say, Mm -hmm. and this is like just on another level. Well,
0: yeah, he is, he is embodying like, he's embodying like the, the greatest form of the, of ignorance, especially in the way that, you know, just treating people or even just the lack of acknowledgement of the harm he causes with words, you know, um, nice. I can think about if I really dig deep, I, I've done that before, you know, the harm <laughs> yeah. that I've caused through the words that choices that I've used in certain contexts, you know, um, right. but I just, it's an interesting mirror game that happens both again, here we are back to the micro macro right to the individual and the collective. Right. And so we're in this really interesting space right now. Um, And I think art is a tool of healing and a tool of awakening, um, even if it's subtle little ripples in the pond that you create through your work, because,
1: Mm.
0: but each one matters, right?
1: Right. And I mean, and we're both teachers, you know, Mm art teachers, you're still teaching yoga, but I mean, so that's, that is so important to me, like, I want to be able to give other people the tools and like access to I mean, just to creating, you know, Yeah, there's such a joy in being able to create something new. And I think that that just like being able to make art during the lockdown, I just, it's like, it like boosted my self-esteem. I was like, you know, like, I, I like, I don't know what's going on. And there's like, the world's crazy, but like, I'm, I'm working <laughs> on this painting. Like I could go down and like, yeah. look at that I was making and I'm mm-hmm. just like, feel good. Yeah, yeah, it's that's it's great.
0: empowering, you yeah. know. It's very yeah. empowering. I feel like with my own students, you know, being able like that's I feel like the only goal that I have, if I had to name one, is to empower them with the notion that they are creators, right. that they are a part of their reality, that they even even through art making, but just even in the choices we make, right. we're creating the conditions in which we live in a lot of ways because our mindset. Determines a lot about what is happening in terms of how we internalize or how we interpret what's happening. But just the empowerment to be like, I can make something, like I can take something that didn't exist before ever and right. manifest it. And I think that to me, even if you know most of our students don't become artists, right? It's just a right. reality. Right. But that experience I think is long lasting, even if they didn't can't even recognize it. The experience of seeing that power they have inside of themselves to manifest something within and bring it into the tangible world.
1: Exactly. Like that you can manifest this inner vision. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I mean, I think that's pretty amazing. And I yeah. mean whether you manifest it in a realistic way or in an abstract way, like that your art is this like manifestation of something that's internal. Like
0: yeah. you know,
1: in your mind, it's in your heart, like wherever it comes from. But um I mean that's just pretty amazing to me you know again it's like kind of making that unseen thing something that's like inside of us Mm -hmm. or maybe we're connecting to like a collective energy whatever yeah but that that it can come through and then you know be manifested in a painting or some art um I mean I just think that's that's really incredible it's just kind of this like
0: it's a gift right yeah, i think it's yeah. a gift that we have i think it's almost in a way like what separates us you know we live in this time with like ai is like on the rise and ai is even right. making art right now which is crazy but i right. feel like ai was still had to be programmed in certain ways by a human and i think that's still yeah. the greatest commodity that the humans have is the creative mind like i don't think you could ever replicate the creative mind of a human maybe i'm wrong maybe the you know the technocrats and the futurists are like, no, you're an idiot. The computers can do everything that the human mind can do. I have my doubts based on my own personal experience of, you know, deep states of meditative, you know, awareness or even like big psychedelic experiences where like, yeah, it, it there's something else, you know, that it, to, to like the consciousness of a real animate living being that, can never really be replicated no matter how close we can get um right. right and so it's like that to me is like that is that is the best thing that we can offer anybody especially as teachers right if we're speaking that lens is like that you have this power inside of you to create things that never existed before to build the world that you want to see and so to empower people with that notion i think is that's what changes the world in my mind Mm
1: -hmm. is when
0: people take ownership over their own creative capacities um because creativity as you know it can manifest it doesn't have to manifest in painting or drawing or sculpture like what we do it manifests in the way that you move through space and through the world or the way you move on your yoga mat right like there's creativity there
1: right um
0: and so i think initiating people into that is is so crucial You know, and I think we're kind of naturally initiated to it as children. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the way, it becomes this thing that only certain people do and certain people don't do. Like we somehow, somewhere, I don't know where that point happens. Have you noticed that in your own children? I I assume not because you're an artist and you're, you know, so vibrant and creative all the time that they just feed off that. But have you noticed any of that, like where there's a point in their growth where like they start to identify or not identify as being a creative person?
1: I mean, I think you're you're right in that I think people have such a narrow, not people, some people have a narrow idea of what being creative means. Like they just Mm -hmm. think like, oh, you're like an artist. And like Mm -hmm. you're saying, there's so many ways you can be creative. So I think it's just first of all, like acknowledging just like to be human, we have, we are creative like beings, like because we're alive.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, we just need to broaden what it, the idea of, of what creativity means. Um, but I will tell you, I mean, if you tell people you're an art teacher, like I feel like a lot of people have stories about like the bad art teacher they had that made them feel bad. Mm-hmm. What they were making and then they never wanted to make art again after that. And I'm just always like, oh God. And I know I, it kills no, me. I hate it, you know. I know. And it's just like just because you you're not good at drawing realistically doesn't mean you're not a good artist. Like exactly. that's exactly the way to do it. You know, it's just like kind of I wish we could. Well, it's our job, I think, to really broaden people's awareness of, of first of all, what creativity means, like like you're saying. And second of all, like that you can be a, a, a visual artist in so many ways. Yes.
0: Like, mm-hmm.
1: Just because you can draw something realistically. That's that's not the pinnacle of like, you know, um, and once you can do that, then you want to do something else. Like you want to keep pushing it, right? Yeah, Definitely. So that's just a part, of course, like for me as a teacher, like I want to teach my students how to draw realistically, but then like move beyond that, like, exactly. That skill and then it's like, okay, now, you know, okay, now you can draw great. Yeah. Like if you can draw, you can do anything. And it's so empowering to be able to have a thought and be able to draw it, you know, mm-hmm. like move on paper. Um, but like, that's just the beginning
0: exactly you know it's just a foundation it's an experience you need to have an awareness you need to have it's like i don't know who said it uh you probably know the artist who says like you know you first learn the rules so that you can break them like an artist you know um you know it's like because that's that's what our role is too like we're kind of tricksters as well you know like we're here to like kind of flip things on their head or to to like i don't know like it's it's interesting the role that an artist has, like especially in the culture that we live in now. And part of me feels like that role could be also like, I, I hate to use the word shaman, but like can have those qualities of like initiatory, like the artist can play the role of like nurturing these seeds of greater levels of consciousness, whether it's through the actual work or through the engagement that they have with their audience in some way. Um, but I mean, you, you definitely, there's an energetic exchange that happens in creativity and the creative act. And I think when you bring more consciousness to it, you kind of create something that has a resonance um, in, I don't know, that can impact people in ways they might not have ever expected. Right. and I find that to be a powerful thing too like when I think about my own work like I I want them to be like little blessings in the world you know what I mean wherever they are they're just like little mini little blessings little like you know namaste like little beams of light and love and rainbows and whatever but right. I also want them to be in uh both doing that out but also at the same time pulling you in you know yeah. like what we talked about I mean, like kind of doing both at the same time it's like it's an opportunity to shine, but also an opportunity to like go within and be like a meditative object. And I definitely see that in your work as being kind of an object of meditation. Do you ever meditate on your act, on your pieces, like when you're finished with them, like yourself?
1: I mean, I feel like just making the art is like my meditation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's, um, cause I, because I get so focused and it's, yeah, I mean, that's, what i'm trying to attempt if i sit down and like i'm going to meditate yeah um, but i i can get it i can get there so much quickly if i'm if i'm making art you yeah. know so i i guess it's just um and then yeah like of course you're making and then you sit back and you look and you kind of like feel and i mean you know i'm sure you have the same feeling like when you're looking at something you're you're looking for balance you're mm-hmm. looking for you know, balancing color and form and line and, you know, all these like formal elements of art.
0: Yeah.
1: Also looking for imbalance, because if it's too balanced, it's like, it's it's stagnant, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to have that dynamic energy. Yeah. But it's also got to be balanced, but it can't be static, you know, so, Mm -hmm. so I think about that. And it's, and that's, where abstraction I think is just so amazing because Mm -hmm. you're not working with like these like realistic forms you're just pure shape and of course that's so related to natural I mean geometry and sacred geometry comes from nature right yes
0: exactly it's woven into it
1: yeah so it's still like yeah it, it is abstract but abstraction comes from nature and from reality. Yeah.
0: Right. So it gives it like a universal quality to it. It, tra- yeah. it can transcend language and boundaries. And I think that's why like the early modernists, like someone like Kandinsky, you know, was so interested in abstraction because of its universality. Yes. Um, and I think modernism was a lot about that. And then postmodern is like all about like the hyper-relativism. Everything is relative to this. And then I feel like we're stuck in that Postmodern in some ways, culturally. And that's what's causing a lot of issues because it's both. There's both relative and absolute, you Mm -hmm. know, universal and relative truth, like what, you know, what the Buddha talked about. You know, it's a big, big component to Buddhist philosophy is relative and absolute truth. And we have to be able to hold both together, just like with your work, you know, holding the micro and the macro together. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah.
0: That's a beautiful thing, huh?
1: Can you even see me anymore? You're know,
0: disappearing into the dark, have the and dark. I love it.
1: I don't have any lights on in the room. It's okay.
0: But this was really, done. this was really a it's great light. conversation. <laughs> I mean, we're we're coming up on an hour here, but um, yeah. I just, you know, I feel like we could just keep going and going and totally. going. And I really just. appreciate you and and what you're putting out in the world and um i just you know i see you're making work all the time on your instagram i mean all those that the series of the little pieces that you're doing is just amazing to see alongside the experiments you're doing with dyeing the is it dyeing canvas um well
1: yeah but dyeing canvas and then also dyeing paper
0: in dyeing paper but then you're also sewing into it now so like i just yeah I just love how experimental you're being. And so um, for those of you out there, definitely you got to check out Skylar's work and really see what she's up to. She's always experimenting and playing with what all the materials that she has. And I'm just, I am just appreciate you so much. So oh, thank, you thank you so you. much for uh, being on I, I the podcast. Mean, Help you, me kick this like, thing off.
1: <laughs> oh, of course, of course. No, this awesome. is awesome, Martin. I've, you um, get where I'm coming from in so many ways. It's just like- I love it. You know, it's not. Um, we're on a, a similar wavelength. For definitely,
0: sure. we're we're you know the parallel paths. You know.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's just a pleasure to be able to talk to to someone that just gets it. Yeah, um, definitely.
0: Well, thank you so much again, Skylar. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Concerning the Spiritual and Art. Um, if you like what you're listening to, please uh, leave a comment, uh, give me a rating on whatever podcast platform you're you're tuning in on, and uh, help me get the word out. Share it with any friends or family, anyone you think might be interested in uh, what I'm doing over here. Super excited to bring a lot more of this content to you. Sending lots of love out to each and every one of you. Peace, y'all.